Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The Bible tells us that when we're born again and we become followers of Jesus Christ, that we've all been given gifts. Some of us have the gift of teaching, and therefore we become teachers. Others might have the gift of helps and serving, and yet others might have maybe the gift of faith or the gift of hospitality. When you get saved, you've been given a gift. But listen, listen. There is one gift that people have that's not listed as a gift in the Bible. As a matter of fact, King Nebuchadnezzar had this gift. It's called the gift of pride. And you see, it's not a biblical gift. It's one that comes from just being human. It's the gift of pride. Now, let's be honest. We all struggle with pride. Wanting to do things our own way. Putting ourselves on the throne of our heart. Putting me first. Never allowing anyone to speak into our lives. And listen, church, this is a real struggle for many believers. It's the gift of pride. And that's why Solomon, on his God tweets, we call them. You go, God tweets, what are those? Well, in the book of Proverbs... It's seven times, he uses it seven times, and it's never in a good way. I'm going to show you them, and you can just jot them down. But Proverbs 8 and 13 says this. Notice, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and preserve and, and per, perverse mouth I hate. So he says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in an evil way. Look at uh, Proverbs 11 and 2. When pride comes... Then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. Solomon goes on to say in Proverbs 13.10, you can jot that down, it says, by pride comes nothing but strife, but with well-advised is wisdom. By pride comes nothing but strife. Look at Proverbs 14 and 3. In the mouth of the fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will will preserve them. It's Proverbs 16 and 18 that says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 21-24 says, A proud and haughty man, a scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. And it's Proverbs 29 and 23, jot that down, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. He's talking about pride and how we all have the gift of pride. And I was thinking about it this week, and I actually found a picture that sums up what Solomon is trying to communicate to us when it comes with pride. Look at this picture. And the picture is really simple. One day you're a peacock, the next day you're a feather duster. You see that? That's how pride is. One day you're a peacock, and the next day... You're a feather duster. Now, let's take a moment to see why King Nebuchadnezzar struggled with so much pride. Now, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to put on your thinking caps, okay? Why did this king struggle with so much pride? Well, if you're taking note, jot this down, so super important. He was secure. He was secure. You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. Okay? He was best known as the king who conquered Judah, who destroyed Jerusalem and carried the people of the Jews captive to Babylon. You understand that was 900 miles away from home. This is the king. The prophecies of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, in the final chapters of the kings and chronicles have centered all about his life. Nebuchadnezzar would reign for 43 years and his empire would stretch from what today is Egypt to western Iran, from modern-day Syria all the way to Saudi Arabia. You see, at this time, it was the greatest empire known to man. He was secure. 
Well, why else did he struggle with pride? Well, also to jot this down, he was successful. He was successful. Babylon was an incredible city. It contained two of the seven wonders of the ancient world. There were the hanging gardens of Babylon, which Nebuchadnezzar constructed, and he built the wall of Babylon, which according to Herodias was so thick that there was enough space on the top for a four-horse chariot to turn around. Nebuchadnezzar constructed many temples to his various gods and shrines as well. So he was successful. Not only was he secure, he was successful. You go, well, Ben, what else? Well, he was also strong. Jot that down. He was strong. Perhaps he was the most powerful king in all the world at that time. In his heart, he felt like there was no one stronger than he. He was strong. But what can we learn over the next two weeks that King Nebuchadnezzar will will go from the palace to the pasture? What can we learn? What can we learn? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because our God is beautiful and has a beautiful way of humbling us. You see, you give me a, you give me a somewhat of a, a, amen, amen. But, but in a way, we don't want to be humbled. You see, that gift comes up in us and, and we want to stand proud because see, some of us in this room are also secure. They're also successful, successful and you're also very strong. But the point is, is that when God begins to humble us, we should be a hearty, amen. Amen. Because I want all that God has for me. That's what I want. That's what I want. Do you remember? Nebuchadnezzar had a God encounter way back in chapter 2. Do you remember your God encounter? Do you remember when you smelt the Lord for the first time? Do you remember when you were saved? You go, wow! When you realized your sins were forgiven, they're washed clean, and that heaven was yours. And you just go, man, that was, do you remember that? Well, that's the same way that, that Nebuchadnezzar had an encounter with God. But think about this. Think about this. In the year of 605 BC, a king Nebuchadnezzar took Daniel and others captive back to Babylon. And of course, this, this event is recorded by Jeremiah the prophet. He actually calls it the Battle of Carchemish. Carchemish. King Nebuchadnezzar actually defeated the Egyptian forces. Jeremiah 42 and 6, you can jot this down for future reference. It says, against Egypt, concerning the army of Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, which was by the river Euphrates in Carchemish, and which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, defeated in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah. So here comes King Nebuchadnezzar as he enters Israel and he enters Jerusalem and he takes Daniel and the others hostage and what does he do? He brings them 900 miles back to Babylon. You will Ben, what's the application? Here it is. Think about it. So now you have Daniel... And where is he? He's living in a foreign land. Oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember, he was he was at home. He was in Jerusalem. That was where his family was. That's where the people, this is the familiar. Now he's, he's taken, if you recall, and he's 900 miles away from anything and anyone he knows. He's living in a foreign land. He's stripped away, literally, from everything and everyone he loved. And I started to think about Daniel. I guess the question would be, how can we expect Daniel to maintain his faith when it really wasn't his fault and he was taken hostage in a cruel and idolatrous place? How can we expect him to maintain his faith? Let me tell you why. Here's why. Because before Daniel was ever written, he determined... What did he determine? He determined to stay Hebrew, not a... Not a heathen. Not a heathen. I want you to think about that in your life. I want you to jot that down. I want you to see. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to determine 
way before the battle ever happens. I'm going to stay faithful to God. I'm going to stay faithful to God. Yeah, 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 but you're not, you're not being taken. No, 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 but you're in a foreign land. You're actually in a cruel and idolatrous place. But we must be like a Daniel. We need to determine to stay, to be faithful. Part of being faithful is not walking around in pride. Daniel and his companions also did something that would help him in their faithfulness. You go, what's that? Do you realize that Daniel and his brothers, his friends, would often witness to whoever was around? You know they did. Why? Because a natural byproduct of being born again, it just flows out of you like rivers of living water. You just got to tell people about the great God you serve. You can't just hold it in. Yeah, I got to tell you. You see, witnessing is not about a class. Let me tell you. Let me, let me just share. Let me give you some. No, no, no. It's, it's in you to come. Oh, I just got to tell you. Well, I went to witness and I got everything wrong. But I was smiling and I love Jesus. Well, yeah, that's in you. And that's, that's what Daniel and, 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 and they would do. Way before chapter two ever happened, you know what happened in chapter two, the whole dream, the whole thing. I am sure within the three years of Daniel and his, and his, and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, you know, you know they were witnessing to everyone around them. They were sharing their faithfulness to a great God. You know that. Chapter two brings us into this climax of this great dream, and we talked about the great dream. But you gotta think about it in an overall perspective where you go, wow, far out, man. These guys were already witnessing when they first got there. I don't know about you, but for me, I might be like, oh, woe is me. I can't believe I was taken 900 miles away. Oh, and I would just be, no, 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 no. We've gotta look at life through the circumstances of our God, no matter what's being served to us. You've got to look and go, God, you have something for this. I'm sorry to say that the church, well, it's gotten soft. And it's looking at, well, what about me? And I don't believe this. And, and Daniel was already doing that. They, were, they, weren't, they weren't feeling sorry for themselves. They were living their lives for the Lord. Then they were, they were witnessing. But here's what a witness is. You ready? One who relates to what he's seen and experienced. That's a witness. One who relates to what he's seen and experienced. But in a more modern approach would be, you and I should be shining the light in a very dark world. In a very dark world. You don't realize that shining your light could be a really simple task of asking the cashier who just checked out your groceries how they're doing. And not in the simple like, how you doing? Good, how you doing? They're used to that. They're, they're, how you doing? That's what they, this is what you do. Hey, customer comes up, tell me how you doing, and that's it. But when you really, no, 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 no. Tell me how you're really doing. How you really doing? You Okay. And you can see the tear start to flow in her eye and realize she's not okay. He's not okay. But you're shining the light in a dark, in a, in a dark world. Maybe you have kids and you go to your kids' games. And you're walking up the bleachers. You go, I don't know where to sit. And you find yourself sitting next to people. And a really simple, how you doing, could be all the difference in the world. Why? Listen to me, church. The same way in Babylon, there were broken and hurting people. They're broken and hurting people out in Lubbock. And God does this incredible thing by equipping you to go out and just what? Well, what does it mean to be a witness? It's really simple. One who relates what he's seen and experienced. What have you experienced? What have you experienced? Well, pastor, forgiveness. Absolutely, you should be jumping from the rooftops. My sins are gone. They're gone. Come on, somebody. Are your sins not forgiven? Everybody's like, yeah, I think so. Hope so. 
Guess I'll stand over here. I don't know. Praise, praise God. Amen. Guys, no, 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 no. Our sins are forgiven. That should be a shout. Amen. Amen. There you go. Man, man, you get heaven. You have peace in your heart. Yeah, you you understand that, guys. Think about this. Why? Here's why. Because a lot of times we relate and we act about what's going on in our lives and the circumstances in our lives, and we forget to realize how good and wonderful and big God is. We forget. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Oh, you called me to love it. Amen, God. Yeah, we could, we should be doing. God's like, dude, the fact that somebody just actually shows up to hear what you have to say about God, you should be praising me. Come on. I'm the one who gave you the gift. I'm the one who lets you communicate what I want. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Church, listen to me. That's your job. Shining the light in a dark world. Now, you go, well, that's what your job is, Pastor. We bring him to church and you do this. No, you've got it all wrong. He's going to make you go on out out there and he's going to give you jobs. He's going to let you go to school. He's going to put a bunch of people around you. And it's classic God because that's what he wants you to do. Just shine the light. Please be careful, church, because sometimes, like me, you fall into a rut. You don't share anymore. And you kind of go, ah, I'm really saved in my book. We've got to get that fire back in our heart. We've got to get that fire back in our heart. The moment you say something about Jesus, the first thing they say, well, I go to this such and such church. I didn't ask you if you go to church. I'm just saying, are you okay? How's your walk with God? Are you all right? Talk to me. Talk to me. Well, you think you know it? No, no, no. I don't think I know everything. I'm just telling you. I'm I'm witnessing. This is what I see. And this is what I've experienced. I've experienced growth. I've experienced growth in the Word of God. You won't believe that. You won't believe that. Unbelievable. Well, I draw your attention to what we call witnessing. A witness. One who relates to what he's seen and what he's experienced, right? Now, think about Daniel. Part of his witness, part of his witness was not defiling himself with the king's junk food. That was part of his witness. And he, he, he did it very, very respectfully, but that was part of You know they stood back and went, did you see, did you hear about that dude? He was, man, look at all this. Look at all this good food. Man, they got M&Ms and Snickers on one area. Look at the kings just, this is good. This is, man, this is all the good food. And Dan's like, no, you know what? Mm-mm. I just don't want to be defiled by that. No, y'all, that's all on you. But, 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 but. Guys, listen to me. When it comes to shining the light in a dark world, we must live what we believe. We must live what we truly believe. And Daniel gave us a great example. Living the Christian life day in and day out with no compromise. With no compromise. You see, listen to me, and I'm going to be very serious, and I'm going to step on your toes. The world is watching you. And if you call yourself a Christian... You better behave like a Christian. You better behave like a Christian. I don't know if you're reading the one-year Bible. I hope you are. We're reading it together. But I want you to see we're in the latter part of Matthew. And Jesus tells a parable. He tells a parable. And do you guys remember the parable? The parable was something, you know, and, and the first group of people were called the righteous. And, and he said, you know what? Well done. Well done, you fed me, you clothed me, you, you went and visited me in prison. And, and their response was, Lord, when did we do this? When did we feed you? When did we give you water? When did we visit you? When were you sick? I'm not, I don't even know. And I started to think, now see, there's another group. There was another group where the goats, do you remember the goats? And he answered the same question. And they said they, they had the same exact answer. But I think the, the um, tonality and the intent was a little bit different. 
You see, as a believer, a natural byproduct of being in the Lord, being in the Word and being filled with God's Holy Spirit is like, we just do. We just do. When do we do? We just do. We just do. Why? It's not, oh, what did I feed you? Oh, yeah. Them, on the other hand, the unrighteous, were probably going, Lord, when did we feed you? When did we see you naked? When did we, I don't, we didn't see you in there, and they had that condemnation. Because it wasn't a natural byproduct. You see, believers, guys, believers are supposed to live the Christian life day in and day out. Day in and day out. And just let, just let that spring of, of living water just flow. Just flow. You see, we think of witnessing by going, hey, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to share and this. It, it could be, be the way you live. It could be the way it could, it could say, no, I'm not gonna, not gonna partake in, in, in listening to all the, all the crude jokes at work. It could be, it, it could be anything. But I'm telling you right now, your friends and your family should know you live a no compromised Christian life. Not a holier-than-thou, look at me, I go to church on Wednesday. <laughs> but a, hey, no, we're not going to ask, we're not going to ask him because he loves the Lord. He's not going to want to go do that. He's not going to want to do that. He's not going to want to do that. You see, part of, part of Daniel's witness was verbal. Okay, He was telling others what God had done for him, even in a bad situation. So, so not only do you have verbal, but it's the way you live. Before chapter 2, Daniel and his friends were, were constantly witnessing by how they lived, and how they prayed. We have to be so careful. So careful with pride. Pride is an awful thing. I even, Lord, I don't want to tell him this story. No, tell him. No, I don't want to tell him this story. I don't want to tell him this story. He's, he's already. We're fight. We're we're arguing here back and forth. You don't even know this. But pride is a pride is a silly thing. You see, I was about. I'm going to tell him, Lord. I was about 17 years old, and. <laughs> I'll never forget, went to the mall, went to the jewelry store. We used to like to do that. Found myself a really nice diamond men's ring. Really nice. And uh, that was kind of in at the time, and, and you had a couple of nice rings and a watch and stuff like that. And I remember buying this, and I remember it's way above my price grade, my price range, but I wanted the ring, had a lot of diamonds in it, very gold, and so I bought it before I was married. So, you know, you should put on, put on your ringer and... And I remember going to church that night. And I remember I wanted people to see my ring. So I would do this. And the Lord is like, seriously? And I'm just, I'm new in the Lord, but it was like, you know what you're doing. You're like, I want the people in the back row to see, this wasn't a nice, that's a nice ring. This dude's got it going on. You see, it's pride. And I was so convicted. I was so convicted. You go, Pastor, your point? Here's the point, guys. We witness verbally or even non-verbally in the things that we do. My, my heart is that we would pray, that we would pray even tonight for opportunities to share what God has done in and through our lives. And that we would tell others the good news. We just operate, Lord, I'm going, Lord, I'm going to Walmart. Lord, I'm going, I'm going to go get groceries. Open the door. Open the door to share. And don't be careful. Allow yourself a little bit of time. Some of us are like, okay, I've got from three to four, I've got to go get groceries and be back. And then you're just like this through the grocery store. And the Lord's like, oh. I wanted you to talk to him, but you be careful. Allow yourself. Lord, here, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. 
Pray for opportunities. Okay, back in Daniel. Back in Daniel. Tonight we discover, we discover that Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And he reacts a little different than he does in chapter 2. This dream is all about humbling a king who some believe is converted by now. That God encountered with Daniel in chapter 2 and then again in chapter 3. But I want you to note the decree we talked about. And unfortunately, we weren't here last week because of the weather, but we're here now. Look at Daniel 3.29 in your Bibles. It says, Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their homes should be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. That was the decree where we left them off last time. Well, with that as an intro, here's where we're going to jump into chapter 4, guys. This chapter is a public decree or state paper of Nebuchadnezzar. Let's open the opening of decree is point number 1. Daniel chapter 4, 1 through 3 says, Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God who has worked for me. How great are His signs! How mighty are His wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion is from generation to generation. Wow! Guys, think about what, what you just read. Let, let the text read you. Why is that important? Because right here you'd say, Nebuchadnezzar saved! He saved! I mean, think about what he just said. He goes, hey, listen, I'm going to make a decree. I'm going to make, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make a decree. I got to tell you, the Most High God, this is what he's done. How great are his signs? Are you kidding me? How mighty are his wonder works? And here's the one thing that jumped out to me even right now. You guys ready? This, this king, whether converted or not, or this heathen king is praising the Lord. How much more should we as believers praise the Lord? How much more? Think about it for a minute. Think about it. You don't want people to sort of guess maybe you're Christian, maybe no. Maybe you live in a conservative city and, 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 and you've been brought up with good parents and so you're okay, but we're not sure if you're a believer. But, but if this heathen king, Nebuchadnezzar, can praise God, how much more should we, church, give glory to God in everything? Oh, you and I, we don't need big wondrous signs. We don't need big... We, we, We've already seen it. We've already seen it. But let's assume, because Pastor Chuck does, he assumes that Nebuchadnezzar is converted. And this unique chapter is a testimony of a Gentile king on how God changed his heart. You see, it's a witness. In this, Nebuchadnezzar is a good example of a witness. Why? All he's doing is really simple. He relates what he has seen and experienced. God is God. God is God. He's a great God. Nebuchadnezzar was a great king. But in this chapter, he recognizes that God's kingdom is far greater and his dominion is completely unique. Why? Because it's an everlasting kingdom. Did you guys see that? Look at verse 3. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. How glorious is that? That you and I will reign forever in an everlasting kingdom. In an everlasting kingdom. Has Nebuchadnezzar been converted? Most people believe so. But I believe that if so, Nebuchadnezzar falls into what most Christians fall into from time to time, because he still has the gift of pride. He still has the gift of pride. Now, maybe he's not 17 and he's raising his hands for everybody to see the beautiful diamond ring that he had just bought. But in the same way, Nebuchadnezzar is going to be put out to pasture. Put out to pasture. So, here's what I want you to do. Let's learn from the king's mistakes so we're not humbled like him. Let's learn from the king's mistake. Okay? Now, point number two. Only Daniel can explain, explain the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. Once again, here we go. Verse four. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. Now, you remember he was secure, successful, and strong. 
Nebuchadnezzar was at rest or in a state of security because of his success. And he was flourishing, he was prosperous because he had, he had subdued Syria, Phoenicia, Judah, Egypt, Arabia, he's, he's wiped them all out. He's going, things are really, really good. Things are really good. And because of his security and prosperity, what was happening, church? Listen to me. Jot this down. He was slipping into a condition of laxness. Laxness. You go, what do you mean? Well, we can guarantee that Satan was using his prosperity to keep him from God, as we'll see next week. We must be so careful that we don't put our hands behind our head, sit in our lazy boy recliner and think, man, everything is good. I've got money in the bank. I'm real. This is good. All the bills are paid. Everything's good. We have to be so careful. Because watch what happens. I saw a dream, verse 5, which made me afraid. And the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. And then the magicians and the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers came in. And I told them the dream. But they... But they did not make it known to me in its interpretation. Your attention, please. This time is a little bit different. Nebuchadnezzar tells them the dream. And they could not, they would not give him the interpretation. Okay? But this is not the same dream he had in Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar readily told his counselors the dream but they did not tell him what it meant. And the dream was fairly easy to interpret. The wise men probably lacked the courage more than insight. Nebuchadnezzar says, notice, and I want you to underline this, they did not make it known. Not that they couldn't make it known, but they just wouldn't. They just wouldn't. They realized that if it was the wrong interpretation, they would probably be killed. Hey, let's wait for Dan. Let's wait for Daniel. Daniel, we got, yeah, yeah, let's just, well, what do you think it is? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, you know? I don't know. And, uh, yeah, what, what do you think? You know? No, you don't know either. And, 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 and they were probably afraid. He just, they just wouldn't say anything. They just wouldn't say anything. And I love verse 8. Why? Because it says, at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told him to dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the musicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I've seen, and its interpretation. Now, let's dissect this, let's unpack this, okay? First and foremost, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, notice that Daniel comes in last. He comes in last. All the others had come before, and here comes, here comes Daniel. And I'm going, Lord, why last? Why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't he go, okay, I had a dream, Daniel, get in here, right? That's what I would do, but Daniel. Now, I just think, here's the thing. We're a lot like Nebuchadnezzar. You go, what do you mean? I think we do the same thing sometimes. What do you mean? Well, when all else is fail, before we really seek God in prayer, everything else has to fall. Oh, well, I'll try. And, and, and that's kind of how we are. We, we will go, we'll try to handle it our own first, and we'll do that. And then, ah, maybe I should help me, church. Come on, help me. Pray. All else is fail. Well, you know, I've made a few phone calls. I've, I've uh, pulled a few strings. I try to get, hey, I, I've, I've turned over some rocks for what I need and it's still not happening. And then I think, well, maybe I should pray. And we do that, guys. We do that. When I think as the believer, we get to talk to God 24-7. That should be our prayer. Whoa, whoa, time out. 
You're offering me. Let me pray. Let me pray. I've got to pray through this. I'm going to pray through this. Can I encourage you tonight? Would you do me a favor? Would you seek God and everything in prayer? Everything to God in prayer. Everything to God in prayer. Everything. Now, now listen, listen. When God answers your prayer, and He answers yes, and it's amazing, and He answers no, and He answers wait, I'd encourage you, jot that down. Jot that down, because like King never can remember, we do that too. God will move so mightily in our hearts, and we'll, we'll get a job that we, wish we didn't even apply for. We'll, I mean, God is already working it out, and He's going to bless you and blow your mind. But do you remember a few weeks before you got that job? Do you remember when you were running around, saw, God, do you even hear my prayer? <laughs> and we do that all the way around with everything. But if you remember, if you were to go, God, listen, I remember, this is, I wrote this down. The next thing, you can go back and go, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Well, what was the first thing you did? I prayed. I prayed. I prayed. I prayed. He says, but Daniel came in before me. Okay. And he says, Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. Now, before Daniel interpreted the dream described in this chapter for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he considered Babylon, deity, Bel, B-E-L, his God, before he actually got converted. Now, this means that what he saw precisely in Daniel and the three Hebrew young men was enough to impress him, but not enough to convert him. You understand that, right? He says, now again, go back. This is going to jump out at you. But at last, Daniel came before me. Now, Daniel's writing this and he goes, but his name is Belteshazzar according to the name of my God. I called him that. Now, again, think about this. Before any interpretation of the dream described in this chapter, he considered... he. He considered the deity Bel his God. It's not the living God, it's Bel. And you go, okay, what does that mean again? Well, this means that what he saw previously in Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was enough to go, wow. He was impressed, but it was not enough to convert him. Being impressed with God isn't the same thing as being converted. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Let me develop this thought, okay? Being impressed, because you can be impressed by God and not be converted. You can go, wow, God's done amazing things. He's just, wow. But let me develop it biblically. You see, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, we read about the rich young ruler coming to Jesus. Do you guys remember him? And he comes and he asks about eternal life. Okay? This is one of the only God encounters where the young man did not go away converted. Do you remember the story? In Luke 18, I'll read it, just listen up. He says, he says listen, what must I do to have eternal life? And you know the story. And Jesus says, keep the commandments. And in Luke 18, 21, he said, all of these I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come, follow me. In verse 23, it says, but when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was rich. So this rich young ruler comes to him. He has this God encounter. You understand, here is... God in the flesh. And you get to ask him a question. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to have eternal life? And the Lord looks at you with just that gentle smile and he says, listen, you still lack one thing. What is it, Lord? I've, I've kept all the commandments. I've done this. I've done that. Man, I've been a good boy. I'm, I've, I, I don't need anything. 
And he says, well, go sell everything you have. Take the money to the poor. He says, your treasure will be in heaven. And he says, and then come follow me. And the young man puts his hands in his pocket. He turns away. And he walks away sorrowful. He's not converted. He's not converted. There was no transformation. He encountered God, but there was no transformation. And yet, the very next chapter, we meet a tax collector. We meet Zacchaeus. And in verse 2, we're told also that Zacchaeus was rich. But his God encounter resulted in transformation. In Luke 19, verse 8, it says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. What a difference. I do not believe that chapters 18 and 19 were just go, oh, well, just these are just stories. God specifically put them there so you and I can grasp and go, wow. Both men were rich. Both men had wealth and power and authority. Both men had a God encounter. And only one of them walked away different. How do you know he walked away different? Listen what he says. If I've taken anything by false act, we know you did. You're a tax collector. He says, I'm going to restore it fourfold. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If I stole a dollar from you, I'm going to pay you back four. Can you imagine that knock at the door? You're having dinner, because I always come at dinner, right? And you, oh, nobody knocks anymore. You have to ring. It's like, it's on your phone. Okay, so you look at it and you go, oh, who's at the door? It's Zacchaeus. How do you know? Because I can really see the top of it. Anyway, I'm being silly. And, and, and so you go, what, what does he want? I paid my taxes. I paid, we already paid him. Right? What do you say? What do you say, Norma? Don't open the door. That's Zacchaeus. But, but Larry says, no, no. We've got to open the door, see what he wants. We already paid. i got a receipt. So Larry opens the door, and there's Zacchaeus. Hey, Larry, how you doing? Good. Uh, what can I do for you? I, I've already, Larry's right away. He's on top of it. He says, I've already paid my taxes. Don't come any. He says, no, no, that's not what I'm here for. As a matter of fact, throughout the years, I, I've stolen $4,000 from you. And uh, I got saved. And I'm going to pay you back sixteen. you are going to do what? Norma, get in here. you got to hear this. I, I think I'm, lo- I'm lightheaded. You're going to do what? Yeah, listen. Jesus of Nazareth came to my house, and uh, wow, we had a, my heart was transformed, and, and I told him that I was going to pay back. This is what I've stolen over the years in, in charging you more tax. Here, here you go, man. What do you think that's going to do for Larry and Norma? What do you think that's going to do? Are you kidding me? Nobody does that unless the Lord touches their heart. Now Larry and Norma's going, whoa, 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 who is this? Hold on, Zacchaeus, hold on, hold on. Who, who did you? Oh, the rabbi that's been pre- Jesus? Yeah, but he, he's more than a rabbi. Larry, he's, he's God. And you can know him too. Would you, would you want to follow him? And now you've got a converted heart. Why? Here's why. Again, guys, being impressed by God isn't the same thing as being converted. You understand that. Because in the same way, Zacchaeus goes to Adam and Tiffany's house and he knocks on the door and says, hey, and it's the same scenario. And Adam and Tiffany open the door and he's going, listen, we've paid our taxes. And Zacchaeus says, listen, I think I've stolen, you know, a thousand dollars from you. And so I'm going to pay you back four. And Tiffany goes, wonderful. And Adam goes, wonderful. Why would you do this? Well, because I'm born again and I, and, you know, I have the spirit of the living God and I've met Jesus and I, he was at my house. And the same story and the same story. And Adam and Tiffany go, great, give me the 4,000 and close the door and walk out the door. And they're impressed by God because something's changed in Zacchaeus, but it doesn't break their heart. You see the difference. Now, for the record, Adam and Tiffany are saved. I'm just saying, okay, just so 
Those of you that are listening, you're going, oh man, you need to pray for Adam and Tiffany. No, I'm just using them because they're in the front row. But you understand, being impressed with God is not the same thing as being converted by God. And you go, well, what would, what would I do? Well, the question is, you need to ask the Lord, am I converted? Am I really born again? Am I really a follower of you? I want to make sure. Okay, back in Daniel. Let's look at the content of the dream. Verse 9. Belteshazzar, the chief of the musicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I've seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while I lay in bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. Now, let me stop you right here, guys, because I want you to see verse 9. Here's what I want you to do. Would you mind underlining verse 9 that says, I know the Spirit, I know that the Spirit of the Holy God is in you? You go, why? Because here's my prayer. Here's my prayer for you and for me. You ready? That people would know that the Spirit of the Holy God is in us just like Daniel. You know what would happen? They wouldn't try to pull anything over your... They would know. They would know. Wow. Wow. And that's your prayer. That's your prayer tonight. God, I want people to know that your Holy Spirit lives in me. I want people to know that I smell like Jesus. I want people to know, you guys know the disciples, right? You guys remember the disciples? This is so crazy. This is so classic God. But they want to kill the disciples, and they were like uneducated disciples. These are just fishermen. Are you kidding me? But they didn't want to do anything because they knew they, they, were, just, they were just radiant because they, they had been with Jesus. And how awesome would it be for you and I, believer, that we would radiate and smell just like Jesus and that the Holy Spirit would radiate in our lives and that we could actually radiate joy and peace and love and compassion and grace and mercy and humility, and that we could actually walk in integrity. Why is that far-fetched? That's what's inside us. So you, you want the secret? Let what's inside out. Let's, let what's already inside out. Don't subdue it, put it down. Oh, no, no, you know, my culture, my, my family, they're... Just let it out, man. Let it out. Let it out. Verse 11. And the tree grew and became strong. Its height reached the heavens. And it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely. Its fruit were abundant. And in it was food for all. The beast of the fields found shade under it. The birds of heaven dwelt in its branches. And all the flesh was fed from it. Can you imagine this? This was his dream. This is his dream so far. The tree in Nebuchadnezzar's dream was noted for its size. He says it reached the heavens. How so? Well, think about this, guys. The tree right here was strength, prominence, beauty, fruit, and shelter. It wasn't just a tree. You know, I had a dream about a tree. No, this was, this was very, man, this is very godlike. And he says in verse 13, And I saw the visions of my head while, I, while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, the stump and the roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him, notice that, graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the heart of a beast. And let seven times pass over him. Your attention, please. You're not a magician or a soothsayer or, 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 or a wise guy, but even you could interpret this dream. It's pretty. This, you go, wow. Well, okay, well, let's go back and unpack it. He says, a watcher and a holy one. Now, he sees this watcher or holy one come down from heaven. That's what he sees. The word watcher here used and is refers to an angel in its original language. So you can jot that down. Okay? The angel is one who watches and looks on at the events taking place and obviously records them. 
And this is one who comes down from heaven. Now it's interesting thing to me that there are watchers watching this whole affair. And I thought about this for a second. Do you know that your life is being watched? That's sort of awesome, isn't it? Your life is sort of being watched. And angels are going, wow. What's she going to do? Jesus lives inside of what's she going to do? When I think of angels watching my life and recording, that's a little frightening sometimes. It's <laughs> a little frightening. So, Lord, don't, okay, don't watch this. Don't watch this part. I'm, I'm, but seriously, though, think about it. So he has this dream, an insight into these watchers, these angels who come from heaven and they're watching him. And now he hears one of them and he says this. Hew down the tree and cut off the branches until seven times. I'm paraphrasing. Okay? So what's he saying, guys? He says, let seven times pass over him. Let him go out and live with one of the wild beasts until seven times have passed over him. What's he saying? For seven years. For seven years. Nebuchadnezzar has the gift of pride. And now he's going to go from the palace to the pasture. Seven years. That's what you need to jot down. Verse 17, this decision is by decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones. In order that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets it over in the lowest of men. Now, again, think about this. What's the intent? The intent is that people will know God. That's the intent. Okay, come on, stay with me, stay with me. Why is this important? Because we're living right now, and you know our current situation in the government, you know all that's going on, and I'm telling you, maybe, okay, I'm going to step over here, my opinion only, maybe God is allowing this so that men would know God. You understand that? Because each and every day, what happens in our world is quite frightening. You know, the Lord told us in Matthew 24 that there was going to be birth pangs. There was going to be earthquakes. You can see it happening all over the world. You can see Syria and Turkey all of a sudden in magnitudes. And they're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm wondering... If the Lord's going, listen, I know you, I know you, listen, I know you Christians prayed, but I'm going to allow this government in for this reason. What's that? That men would come to the end of themselves and know the Most High. I think it's time we see revival in our land. I think we need to be the witnessing to see revival, to see people's heart turned back to God. To stop all of this nonsense with these poor little children. And turn their hearts back to God. That parents would turn their hearts back to God. And that prayer would return into the home. That marriages would be healed by the living God. I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for my heart to change. I'm ready for your heart to change. For what intent? That men and women would know the Most High. You see, they're not just impressed, but they're converted. And it's not enough that you come to Calvary Chapel and you go, oh, wow, that was a great sermon. That was a funny story. Pastor said his ring and, and he was in it. It's not enough. You should be walking out talking about Jesus. Oh, Lord, make my heart like yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours, God. Lord, help me. Help me. Help me not to be prideful, but to walk in humility. That men and women may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. He is God. He is God. 
We must remember one thing, church. Listen to me. God, this is God's show. And He allows us to participate in it. It's His show. It's always been His show. I often have to check my heart, church, about complaining. When I complain about this or complain about that or complain about this, think about that. It's God's show and He's directing us. I'd rather just sit back and go, God. Now, again, again, I want you to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you read, you read your one year Bible? Okay? You, you would have read, you would have read a part in the, in the Old Testament about the priest putting on the, the tunic, the garb, all of the stuff. You would have read that part. But something jumped out. He would have the human and the thermon, and it would be, I want to find out the decision of God. You guys with me? Okay, if you didn't read it, you're going, oh, okay, if you didn't read it, we, we sell them at the bookstore, you can go and you can start today. You can just, you, for fifteen ninety five. we can, anyway, here's the point, here's the point. That jumped out at me. And I'll tell you why. Because sometimes as believers, we feel like we're praying and we feel like God is crossing his arms going, don't pray that way. That's not what I have for you. And we feel like we're, we're against God. God, can we just get a bigger church? Or God, can we just do this? Or God, how about this? Or God, we need this. And God, we need that. And, we, and, and, and oftentimes we feel like we're going against what God wants for us. And, and, and that's not the case. I go, Lord, I've sinned. Why? Because I need to line up my will with yours. You make the decisions. Help me to find where you want me. And then I need to pray differently because that's what all of that garb was in. And you go, what was the point? What was the point of all? Here's the point. God speaks to you in just amazing ways. And he's like, oh, Lord. You see, so it's not me just going, God, I'm going to pray against this or I'm going to pray. And, and Lord, I'm going, what's your decision, Lord? What's your decision? Now, when it comes to Calvary Chapel in a new building, Lord, we're here. If you want to give us one, amen. But if not, we're good with this. And we'll just pray, we'll just pray whatever God wants. Let's find his will. See what he wants. See what he wants. When it comes to, when it comes to, listen church, to growing the church, here's my job. My job is just to feed you the word of God. Because healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. And once you're filled and once you grow and once you're moving, man, this place is going to be filled up. It's not going to, we're not going to be able to contain it. But we gotta teach the word of God. And you go, well, Ben, what if it never fills up? That's okay too, because we also know in the last days there's gonna be a falling away. People are not gonna to wanna to hear sound doctrine. They're gonna to wanna to have their ears tickled. We're gonna teach the Bible faithfully. Why? Ready? That, that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. Okay, let's close with verse 18. Nebuchadnezzar says, This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able. Why are you able, Daniel? Because the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. Is in you. Nebuchadnezzar knew that he could get an honest answer from Daniel. Listen to me. Even when the truth was hard to hear. Your attention, please, for just one moment. May our prayers always be to give us the truth, even the hard ones. Lord, give us the truth, even the hard ones in your word. Even the ones I wrestle with. Even the ones I struggle with. Do you agree with that? Give us the hard truth, Lord. Because it's only going to make us better. Now, the next line in this movie would be to be continued next week. Why? Because next week we're going to cover the interpretation and the vision fulfilled by God. Amen. Father, your word has been amazing and so beautiful, and we thank you for who you are. 
Lord, I'm, I'm just so blessed, Lord, and I just, uh, I pray. I pray for revival. I pray for revival in my own heart. I pray every one of us would draw a circle on the ground and step in it and say, Lord, revive everything in this circle. Revive our hearts, revive our confidence, revive our love for you. Revive the peace that used to reign in our heart, the joy. Just revive that, Lord. Revive the laughter in the believer, God, as we just, as we just walk in you. Lord, please. Lord, we want to see one more great awakening. And Lord, whatever's going on in the world, you've got it under control. I don't have to worry. And I don't have to run the universe. And I don't have to make suggestions. All I have to do is follow you. For that day's coming when you're going to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. Lord, would you just fill us with your spirit tonight? And that, Lord, everything would just bubble up rivers of living water as we, as we go our way, Lord, as we stop for gas, as we uh, go to the grocery store, we go home, or whatever it might be, may we dwell on your word richly. We love you, Lord. Thank you for Wednesday night. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.